0: All right, Um, here's what we're doing. We're going to talk about something today that I think we all need more of, and James is going to lead us there. And I think we need more of this, particularly in our relationships, whether it is relationships with family, whether it is uh, friendships, whether it is marriage, whether it is co-worker. I think we need some more of this, of what we're going to talk about in all of our relationships, even in relationships that we have in and among the church because remember James was a person who wrote a letter to people just like you sitting in congregations in these ancient churches um, they they a lot of them were Hebrew that had been they've left Jerusalem and now they're scattered abroad and James is writing to encourage them and so he's speaking in this context of church but I think this applies to any relationships and to see what it is that we need more of what we're going to talk about today I actually actually want us to look at the last verse that we're going to cover. Look at verse 18. All right, we're going to be doing chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Look at verse 18 with me. It says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make Peace. Now, this verse, 18, is almost like a little proverb that James has thrown in there of his own creation uh, to kind of sum up what he's been talking about. And so, so for you Bible study scholars out there, what word is mentioned twice in this verse? Peace. Right. James is going to talk to us about peace. And he's saying, for those who make peace, for those who are known for peace... He says they, they, the word that he uses is almost like fertilized righteousness. They create these environments of maturity and of good, and not only themselves, but in other people, and they do that in peace. Now, this word peace means different things, depending on where you are in Scripture. Uh, they, they highlight different parts of what this word means, because sometimes peace means harmony, right? And it means different people who are very different working together for a common good. And that's what harmony means, right? Harmony is when when you have an entire band up here and they're all playing different instruments, but they're playing the same notes and the same song, and it sounds beautiful. Harmony makes life beautiful, and that's kind of what peace means sometimes. Sometimes it means tranquility, and sometimes it means safety and security. It's even used to describe what heaven will be like one day that in heaven we'll have peace and a peace that that we get a taste of here, but in heaven it'll be full. So that kind of peace, tranquility, safety, harmony, security, is there anybody here who needs more peace in your life? What if I told you the best way to have peace in this life is to actually not have any relationships at all? right now what happened just then is extroverts laughed and introverts very quietly in their souls said amen right and they won't say it out loud because that would draw attention to them right so they're not going to do that but 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 right that's the easiest way to have peace is to not have any relationships unfortunately that's also impossible in the world we live in today, and the fact that God has created us as human beings, not only are we in a world where relationships are all over the place, but we were created to be in relationship. And so here's, here's a truth for all of us is this. We all have all kinds of relationships right every single person in here has a network of relationships family friends coworkers church relationships and in any or all of these relationships do you need more peace do you need more harmony are, are people actually not working very well together like trying to get children to church on a sunday morning right Do you need more tranquility? Is the drama in some of your relationships just wearing you out? Do people need to calm down a little bit? Do you need more safety? Are there relationships in your life that feel chaotic, that feel tense? Maybe they're unsafe or maybe you'd even describe them as toxic. Are there relationships where you need more security? Where there is a commitment long, long, lasting, unconditional commitment? Do you need more peace in your relationships? See, that's the question that we have today. And if the answer is yes, then here's the deal. I've got some really good news for you because we're going to see a path toward peace in your relationships. If you don't need peace in your relationships, enjoy the World Cup. We'll talk again in about 30 minutes, all right? We'll pick you back up. But jump back up to verse 13 and let's see what James has for us. Let's see how this peace. Is given. Verse 13 says this Who is wise and understanding among you? So so James uh, is is, is addressing the congregation and he's asking them to look at something very particular. Who is wise and who is understanding? Now, where James gets this from is from Deuteronomy chapter 1. When the nation of Israel was about to enter the promised land, that was the call for the leaders of the nation to be wise and understanding. Later in Deuteronomy, it's even to the call of everybody to be wise and understanding understanding. But but what does it mean to be wise and understanding? It means that for the nation to be led into the promised land and for you to lead in relationships with peace, it means that two things have to happen. You have to have wisdom, which is knowing what God says to do, and then knowledge accents the fact that you, wisdom and understanding, not only do you have the knowledge, but that knowledge is seen in your actions, right? So it's not only knowing what to do, it's doing it, which is in a sense the definition of what wisdom is. Knowledge is just knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing it. And, and, and James is using this Old Testament idea that was called wisdom and understanding. But James adds a little bit more to this. He says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? And so what James does here is he's saying, hey, well, let's, let's not look at somebody who's wise and understanding like once in their life right like they know what to do and they did it once this idea of conduct is something that goes on and continues and continues and continues if james was looking for just one wise and understanding action he would say listen who is that person who did that one thing right right in the church anybody do one thing right who is that person that made that one good choice that did that one good work who is that person that made the one right decision see he didn't say any of that he's saying Who is wise and understanding among you? And he goes, and here's how we decide that. We zoom out of their life. And we look at the path. We look at the trajectory of their life. And is their life one where they not only know what to do, they not only know what God says to do, but they have a pattern in their life of doing it. Do they have these wisdom and actions over time? And then he says, and here's what you look for. Look at the rest of verse 13. It says, says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. Now, this word meekness, if you have an ESV, it says meekness. If you have an NIV or other translations, it might use the word humility. We don't use the word meekness a lot anymore, but we do use the word humility. And that's what James is saying. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let's zoom out and look at the path of his life or her life. And what is one quality that we can see to determine if a person is wise and understanding? And he says it is humility. can also be understood as gentleness. But what James is saying is that a truly wise person is a humble person. Now, remember, this is the big picture of someone's life, right? It's not a snapshot. James didn't say it was one action. He said it was the zoom out big picture. It was the film of someone's life. Now, any given snapshot right? If if, if I were to pick just a snapshot of of my life and put it up there, guess what? It might be a little off from the trajectory of my life. If I took a snapshot of just your life at any given moment, you might be knocking it out of the park or you might be getting hit in the head with a baseball, right? Like it just depends. James isn't concerned about a snapshot. He is concerned about the conduct, the whole path of a person's life? And is it seen with humility? You see, I think oftentimes relationships, we think think oftentimes in relationships there would be more peace if they were a certain way. Right? But what James is saying is like, who is wise and understanding among you? Right? You're the one that James wants to, you to evaluate. Is there humbleness in there? Is there wisdom? Is there peace? And what he's going to do is he's going to take two types of wisdom that we listen to. One type of wisdom, wisdom from above That's going to be the wisdom that produces peace. Wisdom from below, we're going to see what that produces. And y'all, it's going to sound really familiar. It's actually going to sound, I think, more familiar listening to the wisdom from below than listening to the wisdom above does in our life. But in all those, I wanted to share with you something that I've seen as a way that humility is a very tangible expression I was um, reading the Harvard Business Review. I don't, okay, to be fair, I don't actually read the Harvard, Harvard Business Review. I did listen to their podcast for a while, but I Googled humble leadership and a Harvard Business Review article came up. So that when I say I was reading a Harvard Business Review article, it was from Google. So, 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 um, but but what, this, what this researcher did is he researched successful leaders that were known as humble leaders. And he said there was one quality that they all had in common, their ability to listen well to others. Their ability to understand what somebody was telling them. Now, the Harvard Business Review isn't your speed. We've been watching this TV show. We just finished it called New Amsterdam, if anybody is familiar with that. It's this story where a, uh, this, it's called New Amsterdam, and it's this hospital, a public hospital in New York. And they get this new medical director, and the hospital is, is chaotically run. Uh, it is mismanaged resources. People aren't working to their full potential. This new director steps into a mess, And what this entire show is based on is this new medical director asking one question over and over and over again. When people come to him with a problem, with a complaint, with an idea, with a way to make things better, he always says the exact same thing. He looks at them in the eye and says, how can I help? Now, what's impressive about this show is not the question, but it's what happens after the question. Because when he asks, how can I help? They have an idea and he listens to the idea. Now, he doesn't always do the idea because he can't always do it, but he always listens to their idea and understands what they want. And so, 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 so this big picture of your life If you were to zoom out of your life, is this kind of wisdom seen in your life? Let me ask you a question. Do you listen to people? Do you listen when they speak? Or do you try and figure out what you're going to say next when they're finally done? Because that actually isn't listening. Listening is listening hearing to understand what they're saying and where it comes from? Do you listen to those around you? Now listen, I'm still learning how to listen better. There's a part of me that wants to give an answer when I don't need to give an answer, I just need to listen. And I'm learning how to do this better. And it takes a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind moves faster than my mouth. Right? And it takes work to tell my mouth to stop and just listen. But the work is worth it because it produces humility and it produces wisdom. And if anything, it grows my heart. And look at verse 14. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy. So now he's going to talk about the, the wisdom from below. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. So, so he paints this picture of peace and humility. And then I kind of tacked on what that looks like is listening to people, right? So, so you've got this humble wisdom. And he says, or, or maybe when you zoom out on somebody's life, you see bitterness and jealousy. And selfishness. See, and that's the part that I think honestly feels more familiar than humble wisdom. Is this bitterness and jealousy and selfishness. And I know that because of social media. Right? When I see my friends doing something and I'm not there. Anybody, anybody feel that sometimes? That feeling that we feel is jealousy. Jealousy. And what James is saying is that when there's jealousy in the heart, when there's bitterness in the heart, when there's selfishness in the heart, it is a divided heart. And there is wisdom from below, and there is wisdom from above. And now, you want to know where this can be most clearly seen. It's not just by zooming out of your life. But, and, and y'all, this is, why I, this is where I want you to pay attention because, I mean, not that you haven't yet, but, but, but this, is, this is, if you zoom out on someone's life, you might be able to, to discern or guess if you zoom out on your life, is there, is there humility there? Is there wisdom there? But I'm, let me tell you the point of life where it becomes painstakingly clear which wisdom someone listened to, and it's the end of their life. If you go to a retirement village or you go to a nursing home, outside of mental capacities being diminished, you can see very clearly who listened to the wisdom from above and who listened to the wisdom from below. Because there are some people, when you go to a nursing home or you go to a retirement village, they are a joy to be around. No matter what their circumstances were that got them there, no matter what their circumstances are there, they have this humility and they have this wisdom and they have this gratefulness for whatever life God gave them to live and you want to sit down with them and just talk and hear stories about their lives. There was this woman uh, that I was connected with at a a nursing home and I would just pop in every so often. This is years ago And, and we would sit down and she would just tell me stories about her life. And y'all, I would look around her room, and there were these pumpkins that, that one of her grandkids or great-grandkids had made her sitting on a shelf. And it had molded a long time ago, and it was still sitting there, right? She opened this trunk that she had in her room. And she had these collars from like the, the, the 1800s, those really starched collars that men would wear, you know, that, and she had, she had those left over from her grandparents. And she would pull this history out of this trunk and just share these stories with me. And, and y'all, the joy in this woman's life was crazy. And then we've been around those other people in the nursing homes, Right that complain and gripe, and the jello is too jello and the pudding is too soft, and the mashed potatoes are too salty, and everything is wrong. See, this is what James is saying. That's the result of a divided heart. This is where That path takes you. You have one of wisdom and understanding. And if you zoom out, it is this this glorious life of humble humility. And at the end of it, you still see that humble humility because it's that path. And then there's this other path that is full of bitterness and jealousy. Well, James is also going to say, if you zoom out and what you see scares you, you can change it. You can switch from the wisdom from below life to a wisdom from above life. Here's how. Look at this. In verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. And so what James is saying, listen guys, if you're, if you're hearing this and, and you want to be a person of wisdom and understanding, but you realize as we look at your life, at your conduct, you're not be honest right now where you are. <clears throat> Realize that you aren't using a wisdom from above, that your life is actually one that's more about complaining and gossip and talking bad about others and doing whatever it takes to get yourself ahead. That's kind of what boasting is, it's putting yourself above God. And he'll talk about that in the next couple of, of in, the, in the next couple of weeks. We'll talk about that. These are symptoms, that complaining, that gossip, that putting yourself above others, that that selfish ambition. These are the symptoms of jealousy and these are the symptoms of selfish ambition. And James is saying, if this is you, if this is any part of you, and here's the truth of us, it's in all of us, right? This weekend, I haven't even talked to this about my family yet, but they'll hear it now. This weekend, I realized how selfish I am. I have been looking forward to watching the season three of Stranger Things for weeks now. And the 4th of July is when it premiered, right? I'm a child of the 80s. I have this great connection with Stranger Things, right? I was going to watch it with Seth, but he came home sick from work and went to bed. What am I going to do? Like, he's literally sick in the bed. I can't watch Stranger Things. I finally just went down and said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and start it, Okay. And left him on his own. Right? Something of jealousy, bitterness, selfishness is in all of us. And James is saying at any level, it's not wisdom from above. And so don't boast. Don't put yourself above God and think that you've got this. And don't be false to the truth. Admit it right now that it's wisdom from, above, from below. Because look at where this wisdom comes from. This is so scary. Look at verse 15. For this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly. That's one level. Unspiritual is the next level. And the final, ultimate level is that it is demonic. Y'all, that thought that just came to your head, oh, this is kind of selfish. Oh, this is, this is kind of jealous. This is kind of bitter. James is knocking your legs out from under you and saying, hey, there is no kinda. That is demonic. And it is a tool of Satan to use that wisdom from below. Look at verse 16. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. This disorder, this word for disorder, is this word of confusion and confusion that comes from chaos. When we lived in Tennessee, um, we lived uh, in Jackson, Tennessee, and there was a tornado that came through. I don't know if you all remember this. There's a Christian college there called Union University, and it was destroyed by a tornado. Um, This would have been 2007, 2008. That tornado that destroyed that university went right over our house literally lifted the roof on our house and put it back down. All the nails on our house were lifted up on the roof. There was a two-by-four sticking out of the side of our house like somebody took a dart and threw it. There was a piece of the highway in our front yard, like the metal railing that's around, around over bridges and stuff, was in our front yard. The highway was a mile away, and that was sitting in our front yard. I went to the behind our house after the tornado had passed. I went behind our house, and the house behind us was completely gone. Like it literally popped over our house, landed, and then we had woods behind our house, and it looked like a giant took a weed eater through the woods. There was just this perfect straight path through the woods of destruction. I'm staying in the backyard. I see the house behind us, literally the only thing left of the house behind us, was three of the four walls where the bathroom in the middle of the house was. There was no roof. Everything was gone. I'm standing in the backyard, and I hear one of the neighbors shouting, They're gone! They're gone! I didn't know if she meant they were sucked out of the house and are somewhere down in the woods, or if they left before the storm hit. That moment... Is confusion. It's chaos-caused confusion. And James is saying, if you're listening to a wisdom from below and there's bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, this is what your relationships are going to feel like. They're going to feel chaotic and they're going to feel confusing. Now, just so you all know, because people always come up afterwards and go, what happened? Uh, They left before the storm hit. They went over to a friend's house and hung out in their basement, so they're fine. But what James is saying is that there is confusion when we listen to this wisdom from below. But this is also why James puts one of my favorite words in the Bible. In verse 17, the first word is what? But. 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 But is this word that shows a a transition. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so there is this wisdom from above. And James is saying, listen, this wisdom from above produces relationships that are vastly different than the relationships that wisdom from below produces. And for us, this wisdom from above is found in the book that we're reading right now. This wisdom from above is found in your Bible. And anything that contradicts this Bible is that wisdom from below. And James is showing us when we choose this, this wisdom from, from, from above, we have this wholehearted faith. If we choose this wisdom from below, it is a divided heart because you have said yes to Jesus. Right And and the Holy Spirit indwells in you, but yet you're listening to this wisdom from below that produces jealousy and selfish ambition, and it produces bitterness. And a divided heart is a bitter and jealous heart listening to the wisdoms from below, but James says there's a wisdom from above that we can listen to. And it produces great things in relationships. How would you like your relationships to be known for purity, to to represent who God is in relationships, pure and clean and holy, or to be full of peace and calm, or to be gentle and not abusive, to be open to reason and understanding each other, to have mercy and and compassion, to be overflowing with good fruits, which which is the action that comes from compassion. Or to have impartiality and sincerity, representing the priorities of God, not just the character of God. How does that sound for relationships? How does that sound for, 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 for your family? How does that sound for your friends? How does that sound for your coworkers? How does that sound for your marriage? How does that sound for a church to be known for those kind of character qualities? Now you might be saying, Fred, come on, man, there's no way a relationship can have all of those. Well, let me ask you this. When I talked about relationships being confusing, confusing, when I talked about relationships being being bitter and jealous and selfish, did you believe me that relationships can feel like that? You see, if the answer is yes to that, then let's just assume that relationships can also feel like all of this, right? That God wouldn't put it in his word if it wasn't something that could be possible by his power and by his strength and by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Well, then you might be saying, all right, true, but I got to tell you, so many of my relationships feel like wisdom from below relationships rather than wisdom from above relationships. Well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Let's do the bad news first. The bad news first is this. You are the only common factor in all of your relationships. That's the bad news. If your relationships are marked by this wisdom from below quality, then guess what? All of those relationships have you in common. But here's the good news. You can also be the common factor of change for all your relationships. Not only are you the only common factor in all of your relationships, you can also be the common factor of change in all of your relationships. And James is saying, if you want to change, you can bring change to all of your relationships. If you want your relationships marked by peace, then guess what? James is saying you're the one that can bring peace to those relationships. And it starts with you. You can be a wisdom, a person of wisdom, and a person of understanding. Now, this starts with having peace with God, because maybe your confusion and the, the discord that you bring in your relationships is because the most important relationship in your life is marked by confusion And discord and craziness. You see, in Jesus, we find our peace with God because his death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection paid the penalty of sin. In other words, what that means is that sin brought all kinds of confusion and destruction into the world. When Jesus died on the cross and was rose from the dead, he took the power of that away and he took the penalty of that away. So that confusion and that disorder doesn't have to define you anymore because it doesn't define your relationship with God anymore. That instead you get to experience the full peace of a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. And if you haven't put your faith in what Jesus did, I ask you to do that today so that you can receive that peace. But for those of you who have already done this, for those of you who have said yes to God, the peace of God is still available to you every day and every moment. And you don't have to wait until we gather together as a church to experience that peace. You can experience it any time. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can sit in the presence of a God who loves you and who created you at any time. And when you lose sight of that and listen to this wisdom from below... When you have that divided heart, when you want to control, when you want to manipulate, when you want to gossip, when you want to slander, when you want to stir up division and bitterness and jealousy and self-centered, James wants you to stop and realize right now that the peace of God is available to you in change. And listen to the wisdom from above. And this table today is for you to remember the peace that God offers through the gospel. And maybe for you, before we go into communion, it's an opportunity for you to confess. Before the Lord, the, the wisdom that you have been listening to is from above, from below because, because you know the jealousy and you know the bitterness and you know the selfishness in your heart unlike anybody else. And maybe before you come down and, and take these elements, maybe it's an opportunity for you to to realign yourself to that wisdom from above and to operate in that full heart. Because what you find at this table, this peace with God is what you can take into any and all of your relationships. And you can make any relationship a relationship of peace. You see, any relationship can be a relationship of peace with this wisdom and understanding and humility. And so as you come to the table today, if there's someone that you need to make peace with before you come to the table, then y'all step out in the lobby and do that and then come on down and take the elements. And the way we do this here at Fellowship, you don't have to be a member to partake of the the juice and the cracker, but you do need to be a follower of Jesus. This is called the Lord's Supper. And if, if today you are a follower of Jesus, then come down and take this table. If you are not a follower of Jesus, become one today. And come down and take the elements. And make your, your, your confession public in the sense that you are taking communion. And for the rest, for, for those of us, if there's someone you need to make peace with, then do it. And if not, come to the table and let it remind you of the peace that God offers because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And let this peace pour out into any and every relationship. Let's pray. Father. Father. Um, your sacrifice, Jesus, your sacrifice is what allows us to to be filled with the peace of God that actually, overflows into our own life and, and it helps us become a person of wisdom and understanding, but also overflows into those relationships that we have, that, that they can be relationships known for peace instead of confusion and chaos. And so God, I pray for us as a congregation, first that you would convict us where jealousy and bitterness and selfishness has, has reigned and, and, and instead you will draw us to your peace. And that we would enjoy that peace today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.